Well, it's nice to see your smiling faces. It's been a blessed day, hasn't it? <laughs> the Lord is good, and He's reaching our hearts, isn't He? Amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, because God has to reach our hearts as parents if we're going to reach the hearts of these little ones that He's given us as a heritage of the Lord. Isn't that right? Now, it really isn't us reaching the hearts of these little ones, is it? It's really God reaching their hearts as God reaches our hearts, and He wants to work through us as parents. He wants to build a relationship between He and us as parents and between us and our children. He says in Proverbs 23, 26, My son, give me thine heart. How can we ask for our child to be willing to surrender to us, to be willing to trust us, if we have not set an example of being willing to give ourselves to God, to trust God? My son, give me thine heart. That's the call that God makes to me as a father, to my wife as a mother. And then as we respond to his call, then we can begin to expect our children to give their hearts to our Heavenly Father and that our hearts will be knit together, father and child, mother and child. We want to give you an overview of what we're going to be discussing this evening in reaching the hearts of our children. Now when we say children, we mean from infancy to youth. We still, as parents, with our children as old as they are, must reach their hearts. I want to share with you four areas that we have found scripturally, and it was really the experience of Je that Jesus had as he spent time with his family, the disciples, that we call that his family, how he reached the hearts of, those, of his family. So the first area we're going to be talking about is time. Christ spent time with them, three and a half years, intense time, giving of himself. Interest is the second area we're going to be discussing. Interest in them individually. He took time and an interest to know about their families and about the kind of work they came from and about the real desires in their hearts. Jesus understood their weakness. He understood their failings. He understood their desires and their motives, and it's understanding that he used to reach the heart of his disciples. So with understanding, we reach the heart of our young people. And lastly, but not least important, love. And in reality, love is all a part of those other things we talked about. But through love, reaching out to our young people, this is how God reaches our heart, this is how he will use us to reach the heart of our children. We're going to emphasize that tonight. And so as we talk about these four areas, if we really want to reach the heart of our child, of our children, we need to make it a conscious commitment. We make conscious commitments every day to things that are far less important and far less eternally important than reaching the hearts of our children. I say it's worth making a conscious commitment to reach the heart of our child. Do you agree? Amen. I believe that's one of the reasons that we're here. And tonight we want to talk first about time. You see, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. It takes time to listen to our children. It takes time to listen to them with interest. And then as we're listening to our children, it takes time to listen to God as we listen to our children. You know, sometimes we can listen to our children, and I speak from experience, both positive and negative. Sometimes we can be listening to our children, and while they're talking, we will be formulating what? Opinions. Our opinions, our response. Oh, you... You, no, 
God wants to restrain us. If we're listening with interest and it takes time, then we will also be listening with interest to what saith my Lord concerning this matter. I remember one day recently, Allison came into my office, okay? My office is my part-time office, part-time bedroom. <laughs> my children reminded me the other day that I spend an awful lot of time in our bedroom. <laughs> if you've seen our pictures, a little corner of our room is my office. And so we were just talking the other day about how much time I spend sleeping and sitting at that desk doing correspondence and phone calls and hadn't really thought of it like that. But recently Allison came in and she came around the corner in the door and stood there and she began to tell me we were talking about her new responsibilities that she's taken on recently as a, a teacher for the young people in the church. I was going to say the, the youth group, but really it's, I don't know, ages... 10 to 16. Yeah, we'll say 10 to 16. Uh, and she is in, thoroughly enjoying taking this responsibility, and the young people are just responding beautifully to her reaching out to them. Well, as she started sharing with me, she just walked in the room, and as she started sharing with me, I was busily involved in important work, right? Ministry work. Is, is that important? Is it? Yes, I'm doing the Lord's work. But when she came in and started sharing with me enthusiastically, I have to be honest with you, my mind was trying to be divided between what she was saying in one ear and what I was concentrating on in the other. Well, actually in the eyes, okay? <laughs> and I was trying to do this, and the Lord just gently but firmly reproved me and called for me to listen with interest. To my daughter. Listen with interest, parents. Are you listening to your young people? Or are you so tired of hearing their prattle when they're little, or hearing their crying, or hearing their whatever, that you tune them out? If we want to reach the hearts of our young people, friends, we need to listen with interest. Amen. And when the Lord calls to us to tune into them, I hope you'll tune in because, you know, these young people, they grow up very quickly, don't they? And I speak from experience there, too. I was reminiscing this morning as I was listening to Paul and Carolyn sharing about their experiences with their children because it took my mind back to when ours were little, the toddler age, and as they're growing up, five, six, seven years old, and brought back a flood of memories. They grow up quick. Sometimes I think it's too quick. But one of the things that I won't regret, and I hope you won't regret it, friends, one of the things I won't regret is listening with interest to my young people. You know, one of the blessings that's come back to me as a father is that as I have listened to my young people, they listen to me. Is that good fruit? It's good fruit, and in the process, it's reaching their heart. Another area that takes time is time to pray with our children. I don't mean just kneeling in worship and having a family prayer time. I'm talking about a time to kneel with them and teach them how to pray how to pray about their weaknesses, how to pray about their struggles, how to pray about their stubbornness, how to pray about their defeats, how to pray about their victories and their thankfulness. It takes time to pray with your children. Pray with them and for them. We're busy, aren't we? We're busy mothers, we're busy parents, we have a lot on us. And how many of us really take time to pray with our children? It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, it seems kind of basic, but it's a real need that we have. 
But that reaches the heart of our young people. When they see we're willing to get on our knees with them and pray that God will give them victory in their areas that they need to grow in, in habits that they need to develop in their spiritual life, it encourages them. It reaches into their heart. And do you know to pray for our children? When they don't even know we're praying for them, we can be standing at the kitchen sink praying for our children. We can be driving down the road praying for our children. This is time well invested that God wants us to use to reach the heart of our young people. So take time to pray with your children and for your children, and you will find their hearts responding to yours. Amen. Prayer time. You know, God has a gospel order in everything. And do you believe that there's also a gospel order in prayer? Have you ever thought of that? Gospel order in prayer. We need to open our hearts to God for our own personal needs first. We need a living connection with God. Then the next person I pray for is my wife. I need a living connection with my wife in addition to my connection with God. And then I pray for my young people. That's the order that I start my praying because that's where I feel my first needs and that's where my first mission field is in my prayer time. Well, now we need time to play with our children. You know, I meet people. <laughs> I meet people all over the world who say, that is one of the hardest things I find is to play with my children. I can't get down on my hands and knees and run little cars around. I have a terrible time getting down and playing dollies with my children. We need to give ourselves to play with our children. We need to become children with our children. Did you know that? Did you know that? We need to become children with our children. That doesn't mean that we need to become foolish like many children are today. No, we need to come to their level and play on their level, recreate on their level, understand them at their level, and play the way that God would have us to play with them on their level, really entering in with them. I remember when our children were young that they liked to play house, okay? And they wanted, we all lived in the same house, right? So they wanted us to come and be in their little house. Well, their little house was between the girls' bunk beds, okay? They fixed it all up, and we would come in there, and they would invite us to a meal, okay? You know, one of those meals that three-year-olds make? Very delightful meal, very scrumptious, and, you know, the little weeds that are all squeezed up and little water on there. But one of the things that we found very useful to reaching the hearts of our children was entering into their world and playing with them. Letting our hearts turn away from all the distractions. Let our hearts turn away from the burdens that we were dealing with in our daily lives and enter in. And I tell you, we enjoyed those little pretend meals together. Do you think our children... Oh, yes. And when we really entered in, when we gave ourselves to them, do you know what we found would happen when they needed to give back to us? What do you think happened? We had moldable spirits. We had hearts that were willing to work. It was a give and take because it wasn't just me sitting on the edge of the bed saying, boy, when do we get over with this part of playtime? You know? I don't like playing with dollies. or No, I was right in there with... These were not dollies. These were their little babies. And they knew how to dress them and care for them. Sometimes I see children throwing their babies against the wall. And I say, oh boy, are you going to treat your children that way? When our children played with dollies, they were taking care of them properly. And so when I came down and when we would come down together and we would play house we would take nice care of those dollies and we would enjoy our meal together and we would enter in with them. We need to reach out to them 
and we will then reach into their hearts. Is it complicated? Is it complicated? No, but you know if I had you raise your hands right now, and I won't do that because that's too embarrassing, many, many parents here, I have children tell me from one camp meeting to another, the only time that my parents ever play with me is when they play freeze, we play freeze tag here at the camp meeting. Brothers and sisters, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We need to enter in with our children and enjoy their simple recreations together because when we give ourselves to play with them, they will give back themselves to work with us. Playing with them. Tom shared the early years. I want to talk about the as they get older because it's easier for us mothers to sit on the bed and play house, right? Not as easy for daddy to sit on the bunk bed or in the cardboard house or out in the woods in the little pretend house. But as they grow older, they still need our time to play with them. That's why out here on the tag field this afternoon, everybody had a good time, right? And I think you parents enjoyed it as much as your children did. Amen. And I enjoyed it. They just love being chased and chasing. I want to tell you a little experience that we had. We had been in Australia. Our children were acquainted, exposed to a type of recreation they have down there called the flying fox. It's a cable that's strung between two trees, one tree being up the hill, one tree being down the hill, and it's got a pulley on it with a little harness that you hold on to and you step off the platform and you sail down this cable. Well, it was great fun. We came back home to the States that a few months later, I don't know, as the summer came along, Emily and Josiah found one of Father's cables in the shed that he used to get the wood with, <laughs> got it permission to use it, got it all harnessed up between the trees, found a pulley, set it all up, and they were going to play Flying Fox. Now, they were going, climbing the tree, they put little wood strips on there so they could climb the tree. Then you'd step off the side and they'd shoot down the backyard. And they even wanted to attach from the house all the way to the bottom, but we said that wasn't going to work. But anyway, it was really a lot of fun. And they were so excited they had it completed and it worked. So they called us outside and I was done first, so I came out there and they wanted me to try this flying fox. Why are you laughing? <laughs> What are we supposed to do, parents? Try the flying fox. <laughs> I think I surprised them. I said, sure, I'll do it, because they know one, one thing. I don't like to fall and get hurt, and I don't like heights. Both of these had a little bit of that combination. Can I tell them the real reason why you tried it, dear? Well, let me finish telling my story first. Well, i got to interject this. Okay, go ahead. See, she, had two, she has two older brothers. Oh, yes. They always tested everything on her. <laughs> If you don't crash, we can probably survive. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, I climbed up on the tree and went down this flying fox, and I had a great time. And I was so excited, and I was, I was having so much fun, that when Tom came out, I said, Honey, you've got to try this too. And the children all said yes, and I was saying, Yes, you've got to do this. Yes. And, and I he, was very willing. <laughs> he was willing, but he said... What did I say? I don't think it will hold me. <laughs> and I assured him it would hold him because I had just been down it. Well, I got on and had a real flying experience. <laughs> <laughs> Literally did some airborne time at the bottom when it broke. <laughs> but you survived. But I survived. And I didn't get hurt, and I was able to walk away from it, and I got him a bigger pulley <laughs> that I could, that bore my weight. <laughs> Take time to play with your children. You'll reach their hearts. You want to talk about binding their hearts and reaching their hearts through work. Do you know that we can reach into the heart of our young person through simple, useful work occupations? Everything from the domestic duties of washing the dishes and cleaning the floors and all those kind of things that seem routine to other types of work projects. 
one of the things that the girls and I attempted was to build, actually we didn't build them, but to face retaining walls. We had somebody come in. We had put originally on the side of our house because we have a daylight basement, and so the hill comes kind of abruptly to the end. We had originally put railroad ties there to hold the soil in place. And after a period of years, they began to rot away, as wood will do. So we had somebody come in and build a, a block wall there on each side of the back of our house. You'll see it in our photo album. And I didn't really want a block wall at the side of our house. So I suggested to the girls that we work together to face that with rock, decorative river rock. And the three of us went hunting for rocks, laid them all out, cleaned them all up, laid them all out on the big patio, and piece by piece by piece, with mortar and cement and time to work together, we faced those retaining walls, and we had a great time doing it. Not that we'd ever done anything like that before together, but it was a time to work together. And in that time working, we shared and we talked and we enjoyed each other's company that bound our hearts closer together. It reached their hearts and we accomplished something that was useful and very fulfilling in the process. So work with your children and that will help to reach their hearts. Amen. Well, worshiping, worshiping together does that help reach the heart? I tell you, if we will take time to worship together and make that worship experience one, and we want to express to you as everything we do, we want to participate in a practical way together. Okay? When we work together, we're working together making the experience a heart-reaching experience. When we're building rock walls or fixing broken pipes or whatever it is, we look for the opportunities to bind the heart of the young people to our heart, working through that process. The same thing has to happen when we have family worship together. Making family worship practical. Making it come alive. When our children were young, we took the, the Bible stories, we took those simple stories and we brought those alive. We talked about why it was a test for Abraham to go through that with Isaac. Well, how do you relate that to a, you know, a three-year-old or five-year-old? Well, what are the kinds of trials that three-year-olds and five-year-olds face? We have to look at those. And so we would talk about, remember today when mother asked you to sweep the floor... And you didn't want to sweep the floor? Yes, I remember, Daddy. <laughs> well, that was a test for you, wasn't it? And so we bring the story alive and make it applicable for the present circumstances. If the story of Abraham or the story of any other Bible character just remains a story in the past and there's no present link with bringing it alive and bringing the principle to the present day application, we lose our children. Well, they might enjoy the story, but they don't come away with it being a heart-reaching experience for them. Remember, it takes a conscious commitment to reach the hearts of our children. The second area I want to talk about to reach our children's hearts is taking an interest in them. Of course, if we're going to take an interest in them, it's going to take time, right? But take a specific interest in them in their personal ambitions. When our girls were younger, seven and nine, they had the desire to start a home business. They wanted to learn how to make their own money. We didn't give them allowances because the duties of the home are all of our responsibility because we all live there. I'm not paid to be a mother and to do the things I do in the home. My husband's not paid to be a father and do the things he does in the home. Neither should our children be paid to do the regular duties of the home. And so they wanted to look for ways to earn money. And they came up with all kind of ideas. They sold greeting cards and made crafts. And one of their ideas was to go out into the woods. We live out in the mountains. We have a lot of wild rose bushes that grow. And of course, they have these beautiful little rosebuds. 
And at the end of the season, in the fall, those little roses, as they shrivel up, make a rose hip, which is where you get your vitamin C. Many of the natural vitamin Cs come from rose hips, wild rose hips. And so they went out very diligently in bags and picked through the woods all these rose, bush, rose hips off the rose bushes. Now that was a very tedious job. Then they brought them home and to take an interest in them. Go out and help them for a while. Talk about the fun. And we're going to go in and we're going to dry them. So we put them over our wood cook stove so they all dry. Really nice because you can't take them in moist. They have to be dry so they last. They don't rot that way. Had them all done. Had them all in the container. Next time we go to town, I had had them prepare these in a container so that we could go to the health food store in town and ask the manager of the health food store if he would like to buy those rose hips, wild natural rose hips, for his shop. That took an interest. Now, I wasn't going in there and talking to the gentleman. I knew who he was. I had them talk to the gentleman who owned the health food store. Amen. And he really appreciated that. And he was very interested in buying these rose hips. And he got them all up and he told his clerk there that they needed to be weighed and he would give them so much a pound, not exactly what he paid to get them in from another place, but very comparable to that. And they were very excited. And wouldn't you know, as they got the container on the counter, now rose hips, are these, they look like little bitty balls when they're all dry and hard. They got the container on the counter and it tipped over. And they ran all over the counter, all over the floor. But he was gracious. And he just bought them all. <laughs> but take an interest in your children for the yeah. things they want to do and help them to be successful in that. You know, when they're little, you can take an interest and get in a cardboard box with them. If that's the project they're working on. You know, children can find the simplest things to enjoy in life. When they're older, take interest in the phone conversation that they may have with one of their friends. Be interested. Be interested in what their life is about and what is the direction of their thoughts. If we stay close to our young people, they will stay close to us. You know, one of the things that as a father has been important for me, and I'm thankful that my wife has encouraged me along the way, and that is to take interest in their personal learning, their personal achievement, the things that they're learning in school. Many times when I would come in from doing real estate, uh, I used to do real estate full-time, and I would come in and I would choose men. <laughs> Didn't always feel like it, but choose my interest to the children and let God work in me so that it wasn't a drudgery to hear their phonics word list. No, they were excited about the words that they were learning in their phonics drill. And so I would get enthusiastic with them and say, I want to hear your word list this evening. And they loved to go over their word list. And I'd see if they could do it a little faster. You know, that's a phonics drill. And they would try. They were motivated to do it a little faster. We need to be interested in their personal learning as they're growing in the Lord. You know, as Emily started getting interested in doing Spanish, I had no interest in Spanish, but Emily was interested. And Emily is very gifted in linguistics. Okay? And I didn't know that then, but when she started getting interested in Spanish, I and Elaine, we began taking an interest in her. In fact, I got so interested in her Spanish we laugh about this now. <laughs> she learned just a few words, and so every time I would hear somebody speaking Spanish, I'd say, Emily, go talk to them in Spanish. <laughs> she said, Father, I don't know enough Spanish to talk to them. I said, yes, you do. You know a lot of Spanish. It's well, all she, relative. She knew a lot more Spanish than I knew. <laughs> well, <laughs> but even though I would do those kind of things, and sometimes it would be embarrassing, I still embarrass Emily because sometimes she'll get in situations and I'll say, Emily, just talk to them. You're fluent in Spanish. She said, Father, I'm not fluent in Spanish. 
I said, yes, you are. She says, no, I'm not really fluent in Spanish. And so I will get her in these embarrassing situations. But you know what she comes out of it with? I'm interested in her. I'm interested in what she's interested in. Does that bind our hearts? Oh, yes, it does. Because Emily is not afraid to come to me anytime and take me by the arm and say, Father, we need to go for a walk. We haven't had some walk and talk time for a while. That's the kind of heart binding that we want as parents, isn't it? You put a price on that? Many children, you can't get them in their teenage years to talk to their parents. They don't want to talk to their parents, and I'll tell you one reason why. is because their parents have been interested in everything else and everybody else's programs and everybody else's needs and everybody else's phone calls and they haven't had time to be interested in their own young people. We need to be interested. You want to reach their hearts? Take an interest in them. Is it time well spent? It's the best investment you can make in your young people. And if you have been too busy for them, start where you are now. It doesn't matter what age they are. Take that interest in them. We've seen 18-year-olds' hearts turn as they really saw father and mother take that interest in them and give them time and stick it out to learn how to communicate together and do things together. Another area of interest to reach their heart is taking an interest in their goals in life. Now, when our children were very young, early in school, we started asking questions like, what would you like to do when you grow up? (laughs) And I'll give you some of the answers we heard then. They wanted to have a daycare center. I'm not going to say which child, but I'll just read you some of the ideas that we've been through in the years. You see if you can figure them out. (laughs) Wanted to have a dog kennel. Wanted to run an orphanage. Wanted to run a backhoe. Wanted to be a logger, a nanny, a vet, a secretary, a nurse, a real estate agent, a pilot, a massage therapist, a linguist. Do you see how the transition happens? And all through the process, when they had an interest, we tried to give them exposure to it. To look at that goal that they thought at six or eight would be their lifetime work, to take interest in them to evaluate those goals and let them see what it's like. And is this really what you want to do? Yeah, our children have seen daycare centers and kind of ruled out this is not really what we want to do. They have seen backhoe workers and loggers, and they decided, no, I really don't think I want to spend the rest of my life doing that. So That's nothing against any of those that's right. professions. That's right. It just wasn't what they were growing into. It was what they were exposed to at the moment. And so helping our children to set goals, to explore those goals, and to reach those goals by our interests, will help to bind our hearts together with them. So as they got older and began settling on the things that they really wanted to focus on, then our responsibility as parents became, how do we do this with the least impact on their spiritual life? Do you understand what I mean by that? Okay, you can send them off. There's all kinds of programs. When we began to evaluate professional pilot training programs, There are all kinds of programs. We research them. That's taking an interest in them. And we have narrowed down a program that we believe is appropriate for our son. When we looked at massage therapy programs, we wanted to find a program that would have the least amount of time involved. We we didn't want a one- or two-year program. When we found that there was a program that was offered for five months, a very intensive program that did not have all the New Age philosophies in it, we began to look for the avenues of the least impact spiritually for our young people. That's taking an interest and working through that process with them. 
We want to talk about understanding. Do you like to be understood? I don't think there's anybody that doesn't want to be understood. Our young people need to be understood. In 1 Kings 3.9 it says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. You know who prayed that prayer? Who prayed that prayer? Give thy servant an understanding heart. Well, in this particular case, it was Solomon. Okay, He was praying for an understanding heart. I want to ask you, can we pray the same prayer for our families? Amen. Will God give us that? What do you think? Absolutely. Oh, yes, He will. He loves to give us what we ask for, especially when we're asking in accordance with His will. Give us an understanding heart. You know, our young people need to be understood in the attitudes that they have. If you have two or three or four children, or however many children you have, you can find different dispositions, different attitudes, different personalities in each one of them. And I'll tell you that every one of us, at one time or another, has difficulty with our attitudes. Everybody gets a negative attitude sometime, right? Anybody here that's never had... Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> We need to make it as easy for our children to be understood and to recognize their needs as possible. We need to be understanding. We need to look at the cause and effect relationships that take place as we try to understand what they're going through. When we have a a problem in our home with an attitude, we're very encouraged in our home that we have come to recognize through the years that because we always look for a solution, anytime we have a problem, whether it's an attitude problem, a discipline problem, any kind of problem, we know that equals an attitude solution. We will not leave a problem unresolved. We will not walk away from the situation. And if it gets too late at night, then let me tell you that tomorrow morning we'll be back with the Lord to deal with this and we're going to resolve it because God wants to resolve our and he has a solution to every problem every problem that we face we've learned that there is a cause and effect relationship there is a reason why bad attitudes happen there is a cause for it and there is an effect that's manifested and if we will work to find the cause we can then find the solution Too many people deal with symptoms and never deal with the cause. And problems continue on and on, and families go through all kinds of turmoil. I remember a situation recently where Josiah and I were working together. And he was working on the latches of two doors. And he was trying to get those doors to shut Properly, they you know sometimes the weather changes and you try to shut the door and it just won't quite latch. The wood has swollen or whatever, and he was working on that, and he just about was getting it to the point where it was getting close. And I suggested to him that uh, he get a tool, a little Dremel tool. He'd actually thought of the same thing. So I said, well, why don't you get the Dremel tool and put the little grinder thing on there and grind out a little bit of that, you know, that latch. So he went to get the Dremel tool and some time passed and some more time passed and he didn't come back. So I went out and I had something else to do and I saw Josiah. And he was involved in another project. And I turned to him And I said, Josiah, you need to finish the job that you started. And he looked at me and he said, Father, I told you that I needed to charge the battery on the Dremel first. Now, right there, two things happened. I want to stop because we're talking about cause and effect. Okay? Cause and effect. When I said to Josiah, you need to finish the job that you started, I was dealing with Josiah because I've tried to teach our children and I've tried to set an example that we start a project and we don't get distracted and we what? Finish the project. 
And finishing the project means that we get done and we put the tools away, right? <laughs> That's finishing the project. Put the tools away. So here he's involved in another project. Well, my first mistake, cause and effect, friends. Parents, cause and effect. I made what appeared to him to be an accusation. What was it? You're not finishing your job. Well, he had already told me why he wasn't finishing the job. Actually, he was using his time efficiently while he waited for what to happen? The charger for the handheld cordless Dremel to be charged up. He was using his time efficiently. I wasn't listening very well. What was the cause? I was the cause. <laughs> Is that an excuse? No, but I was the cause. But because I was willing to talk through it with Josiah, we worked through it. He apologized, told me he was sorry for speaking to me that way. And I told him I was sorry for surmising that he wasn't finishing the job. The misunderstanding became an understanding. Our hearts were knit together. You know, as we were working together that, in that project, not just those latches, but that happened to be a part of the project with that pipe I told you the other night that broke. <laughs> and as we were working together in that project, Josiah said to me, Father, it's really nice to be working together again. Here we are, working on something that's uncomfortable, fixing broken pipes, working on door latches, but what was his emphasis? What was it? Father, it's good to be working together again. Does that warm a father's heart? Oh, absolutely. Parents, there's a message that we're trying to get through. And it's a message we can speak with much more strength and much more desire of heart because it works. If we will work to reach the hearts of our young people, they will knit their hearts with us. It's a blessing to have the hearts of your young people. You cannot put a price on it, but it costs something to have their hearts. Is it worth the investment? Amen. Absolutely. Understanding their mistakes. Has your child ever made a mistake? Have they? Boy, you have some children that don't make mistakes. <laughs> I mean, we were, yeah, we were trying to, we thought of a lot of ones we could have put in here for examples. We didn't want to overwhelm you. But we recognize we have mistakes. We, can, we make too. We put and, a lot of ours in here too. Yeah, we could. <laughs> and oftentimes it's a lack of understanding our attitude. I can't believe that you, and you fill in the blank. A lack of understanding, right? I remember one of the children going to the root cellar to bring up a jar of home canned cherries a jar of home canned cherries. Before they ever got out of the root cellar, the jar was on the floor. Cher cement floor. <laughs> cement floor, the cherries were everywhere. The glass had shattered, it was a mess. Does that need understanding? Yes, it does. I mean, I've dropped things before, accidentally. It's not always carelessness or irresponsibility. Sometimes those things happen. And it takes understanding not to jump to conclusions and say, why did you do that? Couldn't you be more careful? Da -da 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 -da. It takes understanding and a sensitiveness to the Spirit working in our heart to reach the heart of our child with understanding so that we're in there helping them clean up the mess without the condemnation. I'll tell you... Oh, go ahead. Disappointments. Do your children ever get disappointed? Yeah, I see one young man there being very honest. Our children suffer disappointments, whether they're little or big. Do parents suffer disappointments? We need to give them understanding in their disappointments. I remember one day we were out. It was the maiden flight of Josiah's RC plane. You know what an RC plane, remote control plane? Josiah had, this was one of these partially built 
planes. It was almost built, and he finished building it, and he had his, everything ready to go. And we had tried to get a friend of ours who flies our seaplanes to get our schedules matched up, and it just never worked out. And so Josiah decided that we'll take it out. It was a beautiful day, and we, we all agreed we're going to take it out. And you have to understand something. Flying our seaplanes is not the same as flying a regular airplane. I've flown in a regular airplane with Josiah being the, the captain, and I know how he can fly an airplane, but you know, even commercial pilots say that flying an RC plane is hard. Do you know why? Because part of the time you're flying it away from you, and the controls are like a regular plane, but when you're flying it back, because you, you know, it has to come back. <laughs> And when you're flying it back, you're doing a mirror image kind of situation, which is you never do that in a real airplane. And so one of these commercial pilots that Josiah was talking about said, you know, I've been flying these jumbo jets and flying these planes for years, and I still have trouble flying an RC plane. Well, not that that made us feel real good, but here we are out there at the old abandoned airport. First maiden flight. And took off, flying it beautifully, you know, getting used to the controls. Well, the wind came up, and he was bringing it back in, and he was actually making a very good approach, and it was, he was about, I don't know, four feet off the runway, and I said, no, don't, don't land it. <laughs> I was just, I knew that it was going to crash, or I thought it was going to crash, and so he aborted that landing and took it back around, and so I have to take some of the responsibility for what happened next. <laughs> he went on around and, and uh, went up. The, the plane got up pretty high, and he was trying to bring it around so he could make another approach. And um, anyway, a big gust of wind came and caught it and threw it off to the side, and he was trying to recover it. And it crashed. Oh, I have to tell you. It was such a sickening feeling. But I also have to tell you that I thought, oh, I'm so thankful it's, it's not real. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, he's, he's going to be taking his pilot training. This was, this was some time ago. But I just wanted to say to you that flying an RC is nothing like flying a real plane, so don't be concerned. But, you know, when that plane crashed, I was just sick. I was partly sick because the plane crashed, and, you know, they do cost some money. But I was partly sick because I saw the expression on my son's face, the disappointment. He had failed in his first flight with his RC plane. And, you know, it's interesting, the, the thoughts that go through our minds so quickly. And as I, he ran over to the to the place where the plane had crashed, and as I was walking over there to, to where he was, I recognized, I, I had a, just a myriad of thoughts go through my mind. I mean, from, well, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, to, to, oh, son, I'm really sorry, you know, that, that that happened. We need understanding, parents. We need to be swift to hear what God would have us to say in these situations with our young people. We need to bind our hearts, and we need to help them through their disappointments we can reach their hearts if we'll have understanding for them through those disappointments. And, you know, even as I shared the story tonight, and I asked Josiah if I could share this story before I shared it. We always try to do that. Um, even as I shared the story tonight, I have understanding in my heart for Josiah and that disappointment. We need to have understanding hearts. Do unto others as you would what? have them do unto you. Wouldn't you like somebody to understand why you made that mistake? Wouldn't you like somebody to understand why you're disappointed? Doesn't mean we baby them, right? But we understand the disappointment. The last area that we want to talk about to reaching their heart is probably the most fundamental, and that's love. And everything we've been talking about this evening is all under that heading, isn't it? Love. It takes love to have an interest in your child, to take time to give understanding. But the love we want to talk about is a love that is beyond human love. It's God's love working in our hearts. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And then what does he say? 
Therefore, with loving kindness have I what? Drawn Drawn thee. thee. Through loving kindness, we can draw our children to our hearts. One of the areas under love that we have cultivated in our home to bind our hearts is affection, proper affection. So often affection is misused and it's inappropriate. But on the other side, we see many families who have no affection to their children or for their children. I mean where you like to sit with your arm around them, right? Hold their hand. Give them a hug. Kiss them. Show your children affection. In our home after family worship, we have our family hug and we all get around and we hug each other in a circle. Some of you have been in our home and you know what that's like, right? It's nice, isn't it? But we like to have time for those personal embraces. Now, our children are getting older, but they still like it. And in fact, if I get distracted, it's not uncommon, one of my children will come and grab me, Mother, you forgot your hug. And even my son likes my hugs, don't you, Josiah? (laughs) And will allow me to kiss him. And he even kisses me back. And I want a real kiss, I tell him. (laughs) But you know, when we share like that with our young people, and we say, come on, son, a real kiss, that does something in their heart, doesn't it? It's proper affection. That we can use that to reach their hearts, to demonstrate in our home godly love and affection. Security. Doesn't that word sound nice? Security. It sounds very warm and it should be. Our homes should be a secure place. Our children should feel secure in our love. Trust is earned. And parental dependability works both ways. If we want to be trusted as parents, our children need to be able to trust us, right? They need to be able to count on us. You want to trust your child? That child needs to earn that trust. It's a two-way operation. They need to be earning our trust and we need to be earning their trust. You see, we need to, as parents, to build a secure home, we need to be willing to say what we mean and mean what we say. Okay? One of the biggest problems in families, especially families that don't have secure relationships, is they, they're like an up and down roller coaster. That means that there's no love, no affection expressed, no boundaries are there. And when there's a good mood, everything's okay, you can do what you want to do. When the mood changes, it's like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't talk to me that way. You need to be respectful. Parents, we need to draw meaningful boundaries that are reasonable, that are principled, and within those boundaries, our children will find a comfortable, secure place to rest in our homes. We need to have expectations that are made clear and create an environment that nurtures the heart, that makes the child recognize that we are there for them. We are there just like the law of God. You know, for for many people, the law of God is bondage. For many people, the law of God is restrictive. For me, the law of God is not that way at all. To me, the law of God, as I've made it practical by the grace of God, the law of God, to me, now is truly a law of love. It's a security. It's a boundary there that God has given because He loves me and He has given me a safe place to dwell, a resting place. The last area under love that we want to talk about is appreciation. Appreciation for what our young people do. 
When we recognize it and then we verbalize it, that reaches their heart. So often we have expectations of them, but we don't recognize what they do. Taking for granted, you've heard that expression? God wants us to appreciate what our young people do, whether they're little or whether they're big. That's right. You know, we need to recognize a job well done. We need to be able to verbalize when our children are growing in their personal experience. We need to see their victories, acknowledge their victories, encourage them in their growth. We need to recognize when they do a job voluntarily around the house and nobody has asked them to do it. They've just seen it and the Spirit has called to their heart and they've said, I'm willing to respond. We need to recognize that and share that appreciation with them. When we were gone to Australia at the beginning of this year, our children had a lot of responsibility that was left because they didn't go with us to Australia. And one of those responsibilities was to oversee Tom's parents, the grand, their grandparents. Their health isn't so well and they don't do so good in the Montana winters. And so our children had that responsibility to care for their grandparents. And we recognized in the communication we had with them when we were in Australia or New Zealand calling back the things that they were doing for their grandparents voluntarily out of their heart. And we saw that and we expressed our appreciation because it gave us a comfort to know that grandma and grandpa were taken care of and that our children were overseeing their well-being. You know, it was exciting for me. Uh, as we were in New Zealand, um, we called back to just check on the, let's say the children. They'll always be our children, right? <laughs> They're not so little anymore, but to check back and see how they were doing and come to find out the furnace, my, my parents have a new home and Josiah uh, built that home for them. He and uh, two other men in our church built that home from the ground up. It was a wonderful experience for Josiah to learn uh, to go through that building project from the ground up. Well, they had their new furnace. We had left this overseas trip to Australia and New Zealand and we called back and come to find out that new furnace, because it had not been converted over properly from natural gas to <laughs> propane, <laughs> well, that furnace, uh, well, all kinds of things went wrong with it. But in the process, that furnace had to be replaced. And I tell you, I was so thrilled because Josiah, he told me the whole story very quickly. He told me the whole story of how he had taking care of getting the old furnace out. He found a, a furnace guy in Eureka, made all the arrangements for him to come out, had worked with him to take the old furnace out, had gotten a new furnace installed, and all this had taken place. While we were over in New Zealand, I didn't know anything about it. I tell you, friends, that encourages a father's heart. I didn't even know he could do those kind of things. I mean, I knew that he was being responsible but he took the responsibility for that for his grandparents and he did that all on his own. Do you think I expressed appreciation for that? Oh, from the depths of my heart, I appreciated what he had done there. I appreciated the, the depth of what he had done, what he had taken on voluntarily for his grandparents. He hadn't called me. He hadn't worried me with it, if you will. He hadn't bothered me with it. He had taken care of the whole thing and handled it in a very mature way. I deeply appreciated that, and I expressed that. We need to express our appreciation to our young people. Don't take them for granted. Reach out to them, and they will return in reaching back to us. We'd like to close with a verse found in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 7. It says, Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Amen. So let's let God reward our work in reaching into the hearts of our children. In closing, we'd ask Dan if he would come up and close us with prayer. 
Shall we kneel together as we pray? Dear God, we're thankful for this time that we have that we can be able to hear your truths. That we're so thankful that the waters come and share their experiences with us and that they're reaching out to us that we may be able to reach out to our children. Father, we pray that your spirit will convict our hearts and that you will open us up to be able to see. Father, don't let Satan overwhelm us and to think that we cannot do these things. Help us to know that we can start where we're at, that we can reach any of our children that are out there. Please, Father, give us that strength. Be able to focus and to hold on to you, that we may be able to do your will and that we may be able to instill that into our children. Father, again, we thank you for this day and for this time. Please have your spirit live in our hearts, have him convict our hearts, and help us to look to you for the strength and the knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.